Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that is related to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the covenant of blood to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all sin that binds us. In the name of Jesus Christ, may in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, destruction, depression, covetousness, ignorance. All of this let it depart from the saints of your holy people. And so stand, Lord, in the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented in your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. You may be seated. Matthew chapter 5, verses 45 and 48. So that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, for he makes his Son rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. You therefore must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. The name of this sermon, Apostle Karate called, called to perfection. And this is not an offer or an alternative, nor Christ's mocking, but this is a promised commandment that is written in the book of Matthew and is presented to us in the series of sermons of Pastor Arkady. They are the inheritance of saints of all time, and this commandment is addressed by Christ to his disciples. Therefore, those who do not accept the authority of the person sent by God have no relation whatsoever to the inheritance of this commandment. And so we have stopped to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a person, expressed in the ability to clothe our essence into the holy or the selective love of God. Colossians chapter 3, verses 14 through 15, But above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you also were called in one body, and be thankful. According to this passage, the rule of the peace of God or the righteousness of God in our hearts is possible only under one condition, if His holy selective love of God will dwell in our hearts and we will be clothed in the selective love of God. And the character of the selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in Scripture in the light of seven unearthly virtues, and all of them are written in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2-8. through 8. These are virtue knowledge, self-control, patience, godliness, brotherly love, and love. We have already noted that each individual virtue of the fruit of virtue contains the characteristics of all other virtues because they flow from one another, fulfill one another, strengthen one another, and are found in one another. These virtues are the moral perfections and standards that are inherent to the essence of God 
and are given to us through Christ, which we must become enriched with and clothed with. And to enter into the inheritance of these virtues is possible only by accepting the Holy Spirit as Lord and ruler of our life, in the obedience of our faith to the faith of God. And by inheriting these great and precious promises, we are made partakers of God's essence. So we become in the likeness of God, not according to our origin, but according to our thoughts, our words, and our actions. And we have already studied that in the virtue we had already agreed and seen the fact uh, that what we have heard from the notes and uh, notes and sermons of pastor, that virtue is God from whom comes all good. And we can select Him when we select the narrow gates in the face of the dignity of a good wife or a virtuous wife, the price of which is greater than rubies. And when this church is found by a person, then a person comes to uh, virtue. Knowledge is where we are taught what is good and what is evil. Not what we call good and what we call evil, but that which God calls good and what He calls evil. Self-control allows us to select what God views as good and reject what God views as evil. Patience allows us to look at what God calls good and to wait for it with patience. Godliness allows us to hold on to our sanctification through dedication through sanctification. This leads us into the atmosphere brotherly love that is the transfer of death to life or entrance into the throne of the love of God, agape. And so the selective love of God expressed in seven unearthly virtues and characteristics has nothing in common with human love that is filled with ignorance, selfishness, and inconsistency. And apart from the tolerant and selfish love of man, the unconditional selective love of God differs in that it carries the all-consuming zeal of God, His omnipotence, and His absolute wisdom that is impossible to use for selfish and ignorant reasons. It is the fruit of the selective love of God contained in the format of seven virtues that is called to destroy the power of death in our body and replace it with the reign of the resurrection of Christ in our bodies and clothe our bodies in the resurrection of Christ in the face of our new man. And so before us were presented four classic questions. First, what does scripture say about the origin and essence of brotherly love? This means uh, that we are continuing to study what brotherly love is, the sixth component. Second, to what purpose in the demonstration of our faith that the love of God, agape, is called to fulfill in the atmosphere brotherly love? Lord, what condition is necessary to fulfill to receive the power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith? And fourth, by what signs should we test ourselves for the demonstration of brotherly love in our faith? And so we, today, will conclude the third question. And in the future, we will move on to the fourth one. And so the third question sounds like this. What conditions are necessary to fulfill to receive the power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith? So what conditions or what price is necessary to pay? How much does it cost to demonstrate 
in our lives brotherly love and we were offered seven components we have already studied three of them and today we will review the rest of the four of them the remaining four that are going to comprise of seven total conditions or prices let's remember the first three and then in greater detail we will stop at the next ones and so the first condition for receiving power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith is to be born from the incorruptible seed of the preached word to us of course in order to demonstrate brotherly love between one another it's necessary for us to be born of god meaning to become holy according to our origin from god although our actions at first are not holy this doesn't mean that we don't have anything uh, nothing on holiness this means that we might sin but not to be sinners Someone who sins is one who receives a revelation that he has an old man. The old man sins. He's, he, and we sin along with him due to our carnal nature. A sinner is one who doesn't agree that he has an old man. He says, I don't have anything old. What are you talking about? And when he sins, God does not say that he sins. Sins is to do something with someone. The crime... Uh, I was in the same room, for example, as a thief and and uh, when, then we were in the courtroom the judge says they both were found there even though he did the crime and in Christ Jesus we are justified but in the old man we are condemned if a person does not acknowledge his old man he is a sinner to sin means I have a revelation that in me lives something evil but I desire to do good, but I make mistakes. I fall into sin. This is a very important revelation that we are holy by fact of our birth. The first price without which brotherly love cannot be among saints. A second condition giving us the right to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith is to demonstrate salt in our faith in the presence of the fruit of holiness we have grown. Here we go on to the second one. It turns out that it's not enough to just be holy according to our birth. It turns out that in the covenant of, sun, of salt, we must demonstrate holiness. Without this, we can't. Uh, without this, we can't function. We need to be holy in our thoughts, our words, and our actions. The third condition for receiving the power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith is to follow the way which leads to God. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Pastor uh, provided for us a definition, the way, the truth, and the life. And we saw it in the street that was on both sides of the river, along which flows a tree of life that brings fruit. Twelve times bring a fruit each month. And we were shown how how God places in our heart the street the street out of pure gold in the format of the teaching when I lay it in my heart God places his throne there as soon as God places his throne from this throne flows the pure river water of life a person receives revelation about life for his spirit his soul and his body and on either side of the river grows the tree of life a person begins to bring and offer a balanced fruit in his life and he begins to coincide to the lord the fourth condition and let us stop to study in greater detail we have already heard it from our pastor read it in our notes and today we are going to review it all together 
from the position of disciples. The fourth condition for receiving the strength to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith is in paying the price, giving God the basis to pour out His love in our hearts. Well, of course, in order to demonstrate brotherly love, this love must be poured out in our hearts. And for it to be poured out, behind this stands a certain price. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into that grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. So here we are offered in this place of scripture a minimum of seven definitions about how the love of God is poured out in our hearts and let's remember them and see them out of what we have read. And of course the love of God receives the basis to pour out in the heart of only such a person who loves God and demonstrates his love for God in keeping his commandments in which he seeks the knowledge of the will of God which gives him the strength to show brotherly love in his faith. Second, the result of the outpouring of God's love into our hearts will be the building in our hearts of the foundation consisting in the hope of God which contains the totality of all the sworn promises of God on the basis of which we are called to build our trust in God in His Word. 2 Corinthians 1.20 For all the promises of God in Him are yes and in Him amen to the glory of God through us. So through apostles. The love of God is poured out through our partaking to the body of Christ. And this is thanks to the recognition of the word of a person who is endowed with the authority of the fatherhood of God. Fourth, the love of God poured out by the Holy Spirit receives a basis to be poured out in the heart of such a person who by faith has gained access to the grace in which he stands and boasts of. He boasts of the hope of the glory of God which gives him the strength to show brotherly love in his faith. Fifth, the love of God poured out by the Holy Spirit receives a basis to be poured out in the heart of such a person who boasts of tribulation, knowing that patience comes from tribulation, from patience is character, from character is hope. And such a hope does not shame because it gives strength to show brotherly love in one's faith. Six, the love of God, poured out by the Holy Spirit, receives a basis to be poured out in the heart of such a person who longs to hear the word of the Lord in search of God and His perfect will, which gives him strength to show brotherly love in his faith. And seventh, the love of God, poured out by the Holy Spirit, receives a foundation to be poured out in the heart of such a person who will not reject the grace of God, which is poured out into our hearts in the love of God. From the available evidence that follows that the law of the grace of God pouring out into longing hearts in the love of God agape is offered to us in crucifixion with Christ. So, grace, the grace of God is poured out in our hearts 
in the crucifixion with Christ, in whom we receive the authority for the right to with the law die to the law, in order to live for the one who died for our sins and rose for our justification. It should be concluded that in order for this kind of longing to arise, to live for God through crucifixion with Christ, in which we, with the law, die to the law, in order to be separated by the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ first from dependence and from power over us of our people, from dependence and from power over us of our Father's house, and from dependence and from power over us of our carnal life. These three components are necessary for us to lose in the death of the Lord Jesus. Because this will allow the love of God to be poured out in our hearts, and if it is not poured out in our hearts, we won't be able to demonstrate brotherly love toward one another. How can we demonstrate brotherly love? When we have died to our nation, our household, and our corrupt desire. And in our church, we have a lot of nation. If they have died to the house of their father, but the church is, is made out of many families, if they have died to their carnal ambitions and their carnal life, how can I do this? Therefore, these three components are very important for us. And we make the decision to die to all of them in our life. And when we die to our nation, then we stop being foreigners to the people of God. We become foreigners to our nation. And Scripture says that we become ours or God's belonging and citizens of heaven. When do we become our become God's belonging citizens to heaven? When we die to our nation. When we die to the house of our Father, then we are fed with all the goodness that God places in Bethlehem, the house of prayer. We have the right to hear the revelation of God, accept it and understand it. If a person has not died to the house of his father or the house of his father remains a priority in this life, sometimes our parents, our children, our uncles, aunts, relatives, all of our relatives, they try to interpret to us the righteousness of God on their own, what is good and what is bad. For To all this we must die. Why? So that we can use that food that God gives in His house. Therefore, if I have not died to my nation, then I am very limited in the church and I can hear the word of God and perhaps will not understand it at all. And we must be freed from dependence on our carnal life. This is so that God can become our bridegroom. Because these three objects are the character carriers of reigning sin, since they represent a programmable device for the program of the fallen cherubim, which in these three carriers is revealed by the law and receives legal force from it to dominate over us, which will not allow us to show brotherly love in our faith. Romans 7, 5, 6, For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Despite the fact that our birth from the seed of the word of truth, we accepted justification by faith in Christ Jesus in the format of a deposit, at that moment in time we remained carnal people due to our dependence on the rational and on the emotional properties of our soul. This carnal state made us opponents of the truth of the cross of Christ since we were not able to understand it. 
Again, let me read it. A wonderful sentence. What is a carnal state? The carnal state makes us opponents of the truth of the cross of Christ since we were not able to understand it. Because we did not have Urim in ourselves in the face of the Holy Spirit, called to breathe life into the truth of Thumim, who at that moment was absent in our hearts as Lord and ruler of our life. In order to reveal to us the significance of the truth of the cross of Christ, consisting in the destruction of the manufacture of sin. Because the deposit of our justification in salvation cannot be our legal property until we contribute funds that make up the full price of the existing justification in salvation. Again. Because a deposit of our justification and salvation in itself cannot be our legal property until we contribute funds that make up the full price of the existing justification and salvation. The full price of the existing justification. So that this salvation could become our property in Christ Jesus. How does salvation happen in fullness when we contribute funds that make up the full price, the full price? Because of this, we we remained under the guard of the law when, when we did not contribute the full funds, we remained under the guard of the law until the full price is given to us, by, given by us. We are found under the watch of the law which revealed in our body reigning sin in the face of the old man living in our body and endowed it with legal force over our body, as written, the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. From this it follows that until we, through instruction and faith, understand our dependence on reigning sin and condemn our carnal life, condemn, condemn our carnal life which binds us to the sinful heritage of our people and the sinful heritage of our father's house we will not have any opportunity to be crucified with Christ and with the law to die to the law to give God a foundation to pour out his love into our hearts pay attention here if we do not understand our dependence on reigning sin Understand that we have reigning sin, the old man in us, then we won't be able to condemn it. And if I can't condemn it, then I'm incapable of being crucified. Take a look at where the doctrine of baptism begins from, from crucifixion. We need to, with the truth, to understand elementarily that we are dependent on sin. And to be dependent on God, we need to condemn our carnal life so that then we can be crucified with Christ. Take a look at what baptism requires of us, knowledge of the teaching. If a person does not give up trusting in the ability of his mind in favor of trust in the ability of the mind of Christ in order to know God through instruction in faith and in this way to receive from God revelation about his will that is good, acceptable, and perfect, then such a person can never have a true longing for the water of life that comes from being crucified with Christ. And such a person will have no opportunity to be enlightened regarding the truth of the cross of Christ. Such a person will not be able to agree with the price he needs to pay for being crucified 
crucified with Christ, which consists in the obedience of his faith to the faith of God in the mouths of the messengers of God. And from such a person, strategy, tactics, and time will be hidden about collaborating with the truth contained in the power of the cross of Christ. As a result of such an unworthy attitude towards truth, such a person will always give the spirits of seduction a reason to introduce him to an emotional experience in which he will judge his relationship with God not from the position of information received through instruction and faith, but from the position of his own personal feelings. How important the truth is. Take a look here. God doesn't even allow us to come near to Christ and the blood of Christ without the presence of the truth of the teaching of Christ. And then what does a person do? A person judges with his mind. And when he judges with his mind, he judges according to his emotions. Is God with him or against him? He judges not according to the word of God, but his own emotions, what he feels. And without knowing it, he will be puffed up by his mind regarding superiority over other saints whilst growing in his pride. And therefore such a person, by virtue of his carnal nature, will reject the grace of God which is determined by the faith of God in the format of information that we can receive only through instruction and faith. It is this information that is designed to give us the ability to lead our feelings by the bridle through the valley of the shadow of death and through the swamp of despondency to the fulfillment of the perfect will of God, in which God, through His grace, reigned in our hearts through our righteousness of faith and tends to build up in our bodies the power of eternal life. Romans 5.21 So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We should understand that a carnal state is a special kind of ignorance. A carnal state is a special kind of ignorance that expresses itself in disobedience to the faith of God in the words of the messengers of God, which they, from the height of their intellect, oppose with the interpretation of their arrogant mind, which arouses the wrath of God. Hosea chapter 4 verses 4 through 6 For your people are like those who contend with the priest Therefore you shall stumble in the day The prophet also shall stumble with you in the night And I will destroy your mother My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge Because you have rejected knowledge I also will reject you from being priest for me Because you have forgotten the law of your God I also will forget your children Take a look here. God forgets about the promise. And He forgets about the promise you and your household will be saved. I'm not even talking about all the other promises that are meant for the spirit, soul, or body. He forgot the law of God. The God says, I've forgotten you too, and I've forgotten your children in the literal sense. How dangerous this is. It is necessary for us to warm this promise to continue by continually dwelling in the Word, in this preached Word. Carnal people perceive the grace of God as a kind of tolerant attitude of God towards sin, which supposedly descends to their sins, which they call their weaknesses, without taking into account the fact that grace is the unchanging law of God, which in its severity surpasses the severity of the law of Moses and reigns in the heart of a person through the fruit of the righteousness of their faith, which he had grown from the seed of justification.
Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 through 26. Let us take a look and read regarding this law of righteousness. For you have not come to the mountain that may be touched and that burned with fire, and to blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, that those who heard it begged that the word should not be spoken to them any more, for they could not endure what was commanded. And if so much as a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned or shot with an arrow. And so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. We have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of all, to the spirits of just men made perfect, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only earth, but also heaven. If we, the exercise of the powers of the truth of the cross of Christ, have died to our people, our Father's house, and our carnal life, in order to give God a foundation to build up His covenant in our body, in the dignity of the power of eternal life, then this means that we have fulfilled the condition for the outpouring of God's love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit given to us by God, which will empower us to show brotherly love in our faith within the limits of holiness and as an expression of holiness yielded by the boundaries of God's commandments. And this was the fourth component. The fifth component. The condition for receiving the power to demonstrate in our faith brotherly love is comprised of our ability to accept the Holy Spirit as Lord and ruler of our life. Take a look at the sequence. So here the truth was uplifted in the fourth component, and here for us the Holy Spirit offers is offered to us as Lord and Ruler. So first we must see that we have a street made of pure gold, clear as glass, transparent as glass, an intact truth. Then we place our throne and from it flows the river of life, the waters of life. An image, of course, of life that comes from the Holy Spirit. And so let's take a look at how the Holy Spirit can be the Lord and ruler of our life. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 6 through 11. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works forty years. Therefore I was angry with that generation, and said, They always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. In order to receive the Holy Spirit into our heart as the Lord and ruler of our life, it is necessary to distinguish between the domination of our soul over us, behind which is the power of the old man, 
from the domination of the new man over us, behind which is the power of the Holy Spirit. If we pay attention to what we boast of, then we will see that we boast in what we hope for, as in a certain state put into our account in Christ Jesus. Then we will find that this hope is a certain result arising from the collaboration of our faith with the faith of God. And in this place of Scripture, what, what we boast of and what we hope for consists in two formats of the grace of God, what we hope for and what, and what we boast of. The first format of the grace of God is reflected in the boldness and hope in which we boast in the cooperation of our faith with the faith of God in the lips of God's messengers in the acceptance of our justification by faith in Jesus Christ, which becomes the deposit of our salvation, which presupposes the process of obtaining our justification in salvation as a property. And this process begins when we begin to boast that we have received access to the grace of God in the format of the existing deposit of our salvation and justification by faith. And so what do we boast of? We boast of righteousness. So the four, first format. The second format of God's grace, which we must boast of, in the cultivation of the seed of justification we have received in the fruit of righteousness which reveals itself in the preservation of boldness and trust, which we boast of. As a result of the preservation of boldness and trust, the second format of grace gains legitimacy, which gives us the strength to show brotherly love in our faith. And so what do we boast of? Scripture says that we must boast of or proclaim before God two formats of grace. First is justification. The second is that which occurs from justification, which is the fruit of righteousness. The righteous, let him be righteous still, and he who is holy, let him be holy still. But this is impossible if a person does not receive justification. And as Pastor recently highlighted and showed these two formats of the grace of God, how the 24 elders and four living creatures boast, because when we come before the throne, we must, we must, praise, we must praise Him. Some will say, well, yes, we must come in humility. Well... No, when we come before His Majesty, we must boast before Him and praise Him. And through this, He scans us. Who are we? Who we are truly? Question, what do we boast of? Two formats of the grace of God. This is justification and this is righteousness. This is what the 24 elders and four living creatures did. You are pierced for us and by your blood you have justified us from every nation, tongue, and tribe. This is that which the blood had done. This is the first format of justification, format of God's grace. And then he continues to speak, and you have made us kings and priests, and we are going to reign with you on earth. This is the second format of grace that refers to the fruit of righteousness that a person had to grow. And so the 24 elders and four living creatures, what do they boast of? They proclaim justification of God, what the blood of Christ has done for them, and who they are in Christ Jesus. You have made us kings and priests unto our God, and we are going to reign with you on the earth. We reign on the earth. This means that we receive the promise for the clothing of our body, the resurrection of Christ. We are going to be raptured unto you. We with you are going to come to the thousand-year reign, and we with you are going to judge the Antichrist and all his army. And we will reign with you in Jerusalem. In the light of this Jerusalem, the people will walk and will receive healing and so forth. How 
how great this prayer is and they simply praise God with two formats of grace. Keeping boldness and trust, our bodies become the house of God, which gives the foundation for the love of God to pour out in our hearts in the face of the Holy Spirit and the dignity of the Lord and ruler of our life. If a person does not learn to distinguish the format of the deposit of justification given to him from the format of property in which his justification is affirmed, then over time he will lose the deposit of his justification and his name will be erased from the book of life. The kingdom of a new man over himself is affirmed by the power of the Holy Spirit on the basis of the covenant of salt. Again, the reign of the new man over our body is affirmed by the power of the Holy Spirit on the foundation of the covenant of salt. Covenant of salt. If a person does not understand in what boundaries one should keep oneself in sanctification, so in the covenant of salt, by what means should one separate oneself from all that is filthy and unclean in the covenant of salt, and what purpose should his sanctification pursue in the covenant of salt, the reign over his body which was given to him in the form of a deposit will be lost forever. So a person must boast before God to boast correctly and to praise correctly. Second Chronicles chapter 13 verses 3 through 18. A very beautiful picture, conflict between Israel and another nation. The nation of God was, one nation of God was carnal. They reacted to God's love as tolerant. A democratic structure that was contained in the church and next to them was the kingdom of the Jews who had affirmed the covenant of salt and they acted toward the love of God as toward a holy love of God and they acknowledged the theocratic structure and then two peoples stood before one understands this way one the other way for a very short time, half a million people of God were killed thanks to the fact that the Jews said and that they had laid out a correct truth in which they dwelled. And when God saw what they, what they dwelled in, he, they had killed half a million people at once. We must boast of, the, of what we have, the truth of God. And so the conflict between two Christian ideologies... Abijah set the battle in order with an army of valiant warriors, 400,000 choice men. So 400,000 choice men. Jeroboam also drew up in battle formation against him with 800,000 choice men. So 800,000, there were two times more, the Israelites had two times more than the Jews. They're also mighty men of valor. Then Abijah stood on Mount Zemaraim, which is in the mountains of Ephraim, and said, Hear me, Jeroboam and all Israel. He spoke words that led God to anger on, he, on him who stood against King Abijah. And he said, Hear me, Jeroboam and all Israel. Should you not know that the Lord God of Israel gave the dominion over Israel to David forever? to him and his sons by a covenant of salt, the holy selective love. 
God gave us the kingdom according to the covenant of salt. Yet Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, the servant of Solomon, the son of David, rose up and rebelled against his Lord. There's 400,000 of us and 800,000 of you. And you had golden calves which Jeroboam made for you as gods. Have you not cast out the priests of the Lord, the sons of Aaron and the Levites, and made for yourselves priests like the peoples of other lands, so that whoever comes to consecrate himself with a young bull and seven rams may be a priest of things that are not gods? But as for us, the Lord God is our God, and we have not forsaken him, and the priests who minister to the Lord are the sons of Aaron and the Levites, attend to their duties and they burn to the Lord every morning and every evening burnt sacrifices and sweet incense they also set the showbread in order on the pure gold table in the lampstand of gold with its lamps to burn every evening for we keep the command of the Lord our God he says here we dwell in the teaching of apostles so here all that the priests had done and he said we are found in the order of God, the house of Israel. We, the house of Jews, the house of David, with with whom God made a covenant of salt, we are in the order of God, and we dwell in the doctrine of the apostles. But you have forsaken it. And so here God is our head, and his priests, and the trumps, to sound the alarm against you, O children of Israel, do not fight against the Lord God of your fathers, for you shall not prosper. But Jeroboam caused an ambush, the king of Israel, he caused an ambush to go around behind them so that they were in front of Judah and the ambush was behind him. And when Judah looked around, to their surprise, the battle line was at both front and rear and they cried out to the Lord and the priests sounded the trumpets and the men of Judah gave a shout. People righteous before God began to shout And as the men of Judah shouted, it happened that God struck Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. And the children of Israel fled before Judah, and God delivered them into their hand. Then Abijah and his people struck them with a great slaughter. So 500,000 choice men of Israel fell slain. 500,000, half a million. Thus the children of Israel were subdued at that time, and the children of Judah prevailed, because they relied on the Lord God of their fathers. And so if we are sanctified in the requirements of the boundaries of the covenant of salt, we receive the affirmation of our reign over our body, and the evidence of the affirmation of our justification, which has come into our position in order to give God a foundation to erect the power of life in our body. And this means that we, like the Jewish king Abijah, receive the strength to show brotherly love in our faith as an expression of holiness. So take a look here. King Abijah revealed brotherly love. What kind of brotherly love? Half a million were slaughtered. Half a million of the people of Israel. All that King Abijah did was he talked about what the order of God is, how a sacrifice must be, must be offered to God. And he said, please don't fight against us. Such brotherly love and condescension and such a compromise toward the children of God. But they said, no, we're going to fight with you. There's more of us than there are of you. But on 
the side of David's house there was more, because on their side was the truth and the righteousness of God, and there where truth and righteousness are, there the throne of God will be. The sixth condition for receiving strength to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith is the ability of our heart to show love for God as to our King, which gives us the power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith. So to demonstrate love toward God as our King, because love toward God can be poured out of our heart that is filled with love toward God, that discovers itself in search for the countenance of God that is reveals itself in the search for God through the longing to keep His commandments to love God and love your neighbor. So let's take a look at how we must love our King that will be expressed in the commitment to love God Psalms chapter 45 verses 1 through 2 To the chief musician set to the lilies a contemplation of the sons of Korah a song of love my heart is overwhelming, overflowing with a good theme. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is a pen of a ready writer. You are fairer than the sons of men. Grace is poured upon your lips, therefore God has blessed you forever. And so in order to grasp the essence of this condition in the ability to pour out love for God from our hearts in which we are called to show brotherly love in our faith, we should immediately pay attention to several factors out of what we have read. Firstly, this is a collective prayer in this psalm because the author of this prayer is the sons of Korah from the tribe of Levi endowed with the authoritative powers of intercessors called to enter the sanctuary before the face of the Lord who represent the pleiad of prayer warriors in the dignity of his choir. Second, the existing pleiad of prayer warriors in this song of love is presented in the category of the remnant chosen by God, led by the Holy Spirit in the face of the chief of the choir. And third, this song of love sung by the choir under the direction of the chief of the choirs, accompanied by the musical instrument Shoshanim, which means lilies in Hebrew. Take a look. Here we're talking about how it is necessary for us to have these components in order for us to be able to pour out the love of God toward one another. I'll remind you that right now we are talking about what price is necessary to pay so that we can demonstrate brotherly love toward one another. For this it is necessary to, for the love of God to be poured out in our hearts. How is it poured out? We must be aware of what a collective prayer is and we'll talk about this a little later but right now we are going to pay attention to how praise occurs on a musical stringed instrument, this Shoshanim as a lily. This is a stringed musical instrument which is in its appearance resembles the appearance of a lily under the image of which the properties of the Son of God in the dignity of the Son of Man and the properties of the remnant chosen by God made like Christ are visible. Songs of Solomon 2, 1-2 the Lord says, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valleys. Furthermore, he talks about the church, that like a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. And so, he calls himself a lily, and he calls his bride also a lily. And now, here pastor offers to us certain characteristics of characteristics that we must have in order to define, are we this lily? And can we fulfill our prayer 
with this stringed instrument, Shoshanim, or rather a lily. And so let us take a look at where we see the likeness of a lily so that we can meet with prayer and then we will talk about a collective prayer, how it must be done in the body of Christ. Now we are talking about ourselves, the quality of our prayer. Under the character of the melody reproduced by a musical instrument resembling the appearance of a lily, in this song of love is represented the collaboration of our faith with the faith of God, which reveals itself in the hope in God, which determines love for God, which gives us strength to show in our faith brotherly love. Luke chapter 12, verses 27-31 through 31. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the land and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? Do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knows that you need these things. But seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. So, if we have this collaboration with God, then we have this lily. Second, under the character of the melody, reproduced by musical instrument resembling the appearance of a lily in this song of love, one can see our ability to wash our body in the bronze sea, the edges of the bowl of which resembled a blossoming lily, giving us the strength to show in our faith brotherly love. Very interesting. So, Sometimes they want to demonstrate this love of God. We must resemble the appearance of a lily in a song of love where we see our ability to wash our body in the bronze sea. Otherwise, if we don't understand this, we are going to have a controlling spirit. Why? Because our lily has not blossomed. It's necessary for the lily not just to spring up, for the sun to bloom it. And in this blooming of the lily, we begin to be washed in the bronze sea. 2 Chronicles 4, 2-5 Then he made the sea of cast bronze ten cubits from one brim to the other. It was completely round. Its height was five cubits, and a line of thirty cubits measured its circumference. It was a handbreadth thick, and its brim was shaped like the brim of a cup, like a lily blossom. It contains three thousand baths, very important to note here that our lily must be blossomed a flower is beautiful when it blossoms third under the character of the melody reproduced by a musical instrument resembling the appearance of a lily in this song of love one can see our power to and for the right to enter the sanctuary which gives us strength to show brotherly love in our faith uh, 2 Chronicles, or 1 Kings chapter 7, verses 21 through 22. Then he set up the pillars by the vestibule of the temple. He set up the pillar on the right and called its name Jachin. And he set up the pillar on the left and called its name Boaz. The tops of the pillars were in the shape of lilies, so the work of the pillars was finished. So take a look here. When we go into the presence of God, then we must create these pillars in our heart. And fourth, under the character of the melody reproduced by a musical instrument resembling the appearance of a lily in this song of love, we see our ability to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and smell the fragrance of this voice, which gives us strength to show brotherly love in our faith. Songs of Solomon 5.13 His lips are lilies dripping liquid mirror. 
So those lips, here we see the lips of God that we listen to, a preacher who represents the fatherhood of God and his helpers, if they, of course, preach in one spirit with him, their lips must be like lilies, dripping liquid mirror. It's very important. Who we listen to. We listen to the person whose lips are not lilies, then we won't be able to highlight anything for ourselves and the Holy Spirit won't be able to become Lord and ruler of our life. And fifth, under the character of the melody reproduced by musical instrument representing the appearance of a lily, in this song of love, a testimony is visible in our hearts, which serves as a guarantee for us that with the morning star we will be raptured to meet the Lord in the air, which gives us strength to show brotherly love in our faith. Song of Solomon, chapter 6, verses 2 to 3. My beloved has gone to his garden, to the beds of spices, to feed his flock in the gardens, and to gather lilies. I am my beloved's, and my beloved is mine. He feeds his flock among the lilies. And so, without the testimony of this kind of brotherly love in our faith, our prayer will not be able to meet the requirements of a musical instrument resembling the appearance of a lily. And consequently, none of us, regardless of the correct attitude towards each other, will be able to draw upon ourselves the favor of God in order to give God a foundation to erect in our bodies a power of imperishability and clothe our bodies in the pearls of imperishability. And this is how our prayer must be. And take a look at how many components are in this lily that we have been introduced to. We saw lips. We saw the two pillars. We, of course, also saw the bronze sea, this blossoming lily, that which God is satisfied by and that which we must demonstrate each time when we go before Him in prayer. And so what is a collective prayer? What is a collective prayer? Or, how does it express itself? Let us take a look at a few of the components. First, the collective prayer presented in this song of love determines that it is headed by the chief of the choir in the face of the Holy Spirit as a warrior of prayer, ennobling our prayer with himself. Beautifully written. The Holy Spirit, he ennobles our prayer with himself. Because take a look here, I am speaking, and take a look at how much, how many mistakes I make, errors. Not in the knowledge, but in what I say. In uh, grammar, uh, perhaps I don't place the correct... Can this format reach God? Before coming to the president or the queen, a person is told to remember what he is going to memorize. How can with our lips we come to Him? But the Holy Spirit says, Do not worry, fear, I am with you. I am alongside you. I will ennoble your prayer with myself. He said, You must proclaim that which is found in your heart. But if you forget the word, don't worry. I will fill your prayer. Simply come with me. Romans chapter 8 verses 26 or 27 Likewise the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows that the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. 
what is a collective prayer? Pastor interestingly shows a collective prayer. This is when I pray along with the Holy Spirit. This is what collective prayer starts with. Not just I come to church and pray, but I pray along with the Holy Spirit. This is what a collective prayer begins with. Second, a collective prayer expresses the unity of hearts, which, thanks to the head of the choir, are in an amazing balance to each other, in which, despite the difference in the degree of dedication to God, the strong do not suppress the weak, but support them. Job chapter 37 verses 11 through 16. Also with moisture he saturates the thick clouds, he scatters his bright clouds, and they swirl about, being turned by his guidance, that they may do whatever he commands them on the face of the whole earth. He causes it to come, whether for correction, or for his land, or for mercy. Listen to this, O Job, stand still and consider the wondrous works of God. Do you know when God dispatches them and causes the light of His cloud to shine? Do you know how the clouds are balanced, those wondrous works of Him who is perfect in knowledge? So here he says, are you able to understand how in the church the strong do not overcome the weak? So the Lord saw the church and He was satisfied when the strong did not overcome the weak. He saw this in Job because he is a God who can see forward. Third, a collective prayer under the leadership of the Holy Spirit is a testimony that we love each other and God dwells in us and His love is perfect in us. 1 John chapter 4, verses 12-13 through 13. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us His Spirit. Fourth, collective prayer performed under the leadership of the Holy Spirit expresses itself in a song of love to the Lord Jesus and the status of the Son of Man as King, which gives God a reason to pour out into our hearts His selective love, which gives us strength to show brotherly love in our faith. A loving heart that seeks God while obeying His commandments is a heart that is in the order of God, which expresses and defines itself in the structure of His delightful theocracy wonderful theocracy and disgusting democracy, two phrases that pastor mentions often. The order and the structure of theocracy is cognized and determined in the heart of a person according to the dominion of the Holy Spirit, who creates in our hearts an atmosphere of fragrant holiness which defines freedom from sin in our hearts. The order of theocracy expresses itself in the midst of the remnant chosen by God in the structure of hierarchical subordination, in which relaxed and free relations with each other reign, in which the strong endure the weaknesses of the powerless and please their neighbor for good, for edification. Romans chapter 15, verses 1 through 6. We then who are strong... And of course, all of the who are here see themselves in this role only. Must bear with the scruples of the weak 
and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification, for even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who approached you fell on me. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. Now may the God of patience and comfort grant you to be like-minded toward one another, according to Christ Jesus, that you may with one mind and one mouth glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. If we are at one mind with each other according to the teachings of Jesus Christ and are able to unanimous, unanimously with one mouth praise God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and this means that we have fulfilled the condition that the love of God could be poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit given to us by God, which gives us strength to show brotherly love in our faith. I remind you, we are talking about brotherly love and what price we must pay in order for us to demonstrate brotherly love. It is poured out by the Holy Spirit and, of course, for it to be poured out, we need to pour it out, having been found in obedience to the Word of God that we have read. About. The seventh condition for receiving the strength to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith is comprised of the ability to turn our heart to the correction of the Lord in the words of his messengers. Very interesting topic, very necessary, and let us listen intently. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 through 23. Wisdom calls aloud outside, she raises her voice in the open squares. She cries out in the chief concourses, at the openings of the gates in the city she speaks her words. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning, and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke, surely I will pour out my spirit on you, I will make my words known to you. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20-23 through Proceeding from the existing parable, in the category of saints who will turn their hearts to the correction of the Lord, in the words of His messengers, the Spirit of the Lord will be poured out, representing the perfect love of God agape, which will give them strength to show brotherly love in their faith. And whoever turns his heart away will perish from the correction of the Lord, since he will be unable to show the quality of brotherly love in his faith, as written. Proverbs 15.10 Harsh discipline is for him who forsakes the way, and he who hates correction will die. Based on this parable, a person who hates correction is a person who deviates from the path of truth, who has his own understanding of the path of truth, which does not coincide with the path that the correction of the Lord represents, in the words of a person vested with the authority of the delegated fatherhood of God. In this parable, correction in relation to man who hates correction means... To correct, to expose, to reveal, to denounce, reproach, accuse, condemn, bring to astonishment, forbid, to pass judgment and impose punishment, to condemn to eternal destruction. These are the rich words and semantics of the word correction in relation to those who hate correction these lawless people who hate correction. In this regard, we will need to investigate the nature of correction in the words of the Lord in order to separate it from the nature of the words of the slanderer, 
slandering us before God day and night. So here, Pastor will show us the difference between the clothing that comes, the correction that comes from his source and the slandering that comes from the evil one. Revelation 12, 7 through 12. And war broke out in heaven here in our in our in our mind michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels fought but they did not prevail nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer so the great dragon was cast out the serpent of old called the devil and satan who deceives the whole world he cast to the earth he was cast to the earth and his angels were cast out with him then i heard a loud voice saying in heaven now salvation and strength for the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accusing of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and that they did not love their lives, and they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. Of course, this occurs right now. We see that anger that occurs when the enemy knows how much, how little time he has remaining. He tries to attack the bodies of saints. Why? Because he is cast out of their lives and he tries to attack the body of the holy children of God. But this is a sign of his perdition. And so, to defeat the accuser both in our body and in our congregation by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of his testimony and the loss of our soul and the death of the Lord Jesus, we need to know and to decide with or what institutions of authority, based on the ordinances of Scripture, are empowered by God to correct us, and can the Holy Spirit and the prophecies of prophesying people correct us? What is the nature of words in the correction of the Lord? And what is the goal pursued by God in His correction, both to His children and to those who left the straight paths and turned to fables? By what criteria should one distinguish the correction of the Lord in the words of the messengers of God from criticism emanating from the envy and ignorance of people who are not called to correct us? At the same time, it should be noted right away that the correction of the Lord in the mouths of His messengers will radically differ from the criticism inherent in the category of presumptuous, carnal, ignorant people, and from the criticism inherent in the category of teachers elected by the majority to flatter the uncircumcised ear of their electors. It will differ from the criticism characteristic of the category of scribes and Pharisees who have received any theological degree, who among the holy people not possessing the dignity of Levites claim to be the Levitical ministry. And they will differ from criticism characteristic of the category of wicked and lawless people who have departed from the truth, who pass their criticism off as a different gospel and who create confusion and division. Given that behind all these critics in their totality stand the wicked with their slanderous spirit of seduction that portray themselves as the Holy Spirit and influence and give these categories their power, all these categories of people 
denigrating the bearers of truth in their totality, are not clothed in the dignity of disciples of Christ, for they believe that they have legal authority to judge and evaluate the correction of the Lord, the mouths of His messengers. If we are unable to distinguish the critics of people who do not have the power to correct us from the correction of the Lord in the words of the messenger of God, we will not have any opportunity to give God the basis to pour out His love in our hearts, to receive the power to demonstrate brotherly love in our faith. So we must here note that we must not uh, take the critics criticism of people who have no authority to do so. You must distinguish it from the correction of the Lord. If a person can't distinguish this, he can't demonstrate brotherly love in the church. And consequently, we will lose our justification that was given to us in salvation in the format of a deposit, given that we trusted not in the correction of the Lord in the words of the messengers of God, but the thoughts accusing us initiators of which are the previously listed categories at the head of the wicked and slandering spirit. We need to firmly understand that the correct institutes of authority that are given the powers to correct us with the word of the Lord are the two substances. First, the words of the Lord in the lips of a person clothed in the delegated fatherhood of God and his helpers acting with him in one spirit. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 18 through 19. I urged Titus and sent our brother with him. Did Titus take advantage of you? And second, authority of powers that can correct us with the word of the Lord is our conscience cleansed of dead works, on the tablets of which is engraved the faith teaching of Christ. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 23. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So these two substances are substances that can correct us. Because... Even the Holy Spirit, take a look, when the Holy Spirit collects this, uh, corrects, this is to death, just like Ananias and Sapphira, when the Holy Spirit corrects, this is correction unto death. Why does the Holy Spirit uh, correct through these two, the messengers of God in our conscience, in order to help us, fix us, uh, to turn us away from lawlessness, in order to save us? Because if the Holy Spirit will directly correct us, this will be momentary death. This will be sin to death. Therefore, he uses these two components. This is a person who represents the delegated authority of God, his helpers that act with him in one spirit. And acting in one spirit means I can't judge about all. If pastor gives me uh, the opportunity to go and speak, for example, I can go and I can correct if pastor tells me, but I don't have a right to do this left and right as I please. I can contempt only under the condition if I am found if I find these words and I read, and these words correct a person, wonderful. 
But me, as a helper of a father, not having the fatherhood of God, I don't have a right to go left and right and correcting. Pastor Paul said to Timothy, you can do it. When can you do it? When you read my notes. When you read my notes, my message, I have given you a lot of these letters. When you read them, you can, upon reading them, you can begin to com commentate on the truth of God. Take a look here. This is going to be timely and untimely. Timely and untimely is one on the throne. The grace of God has reigned. The word of God sits and so forth. Let us focus on our conscience. The conscience of a person is the delegated judge of God in the heart of a person established by God to represent his justice. Let us also remember that our conscience can judge us only in the boundaries of the teaching of Christ we have cognized and carried into our conscience as the basis of the legislation of God. So we judge from the position of our conscience because in our conscience is carried in the legislation of God in the format of His teaching. If in the conscience there is the teaching of the legislation of God, then the conscience can judge us. If we have incorrectly understood the faith teaching proclaimed by us or have been incorrectly taught that our conscience will correct us according to the incorrect meaning that it will accept as the final truth, then the accuser blaming us before God day and night will accuse us having falsified himself as either the voice of our conscience or the voice of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, the voice of the conscience should always be tested according to the legislation that is contained in the written Word of God. And if our conscience corrects us not according to the requirements contained in the written Word of God, then we should ignore this voice. We should ignore it in the side of ourselves. If my conscience judges or corrects me according to the not according to the requirements contained in a written word, we should ignore this voice. We should that those accusatory thoughts that do come to us, are they found in Scripture? Most oftentimes they are not, and a person begins to accuse himself, blame himself, and he is in the ministry of condemnation of himself. We must not do this. We must verify ourselves with that word, that truth that we hear. If it does not coincide, this is the voice of a devil who has conspired himself as our conscience. He represents himself in the format of the Holy Spirit, but as we know, is not so. The correction of the Lord in relation to his children always pursues the good goal of edifying and instructing to bring them to repentance and in this manner save and protect them from the slander. Let us take a look at this. When we want to say something about someone or to correct them to fix their ways, let us take a look. The correction of the Lord in relation to His children always pursues a good goal to bring them to repentance and thus to save them. For example, John chapter 8, verses 3 through 11. And the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote in the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. What is he doing here? 
Each time we blame the holy children of God, Jesus is writing something on the ground. How interesting. Our names. As soon as we begin to speak negatively regarding the children of God, He bows down very low to the ground and begins, and may God protect us because He begins to write my name on the ground. And may the Lord protect us from this. And those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are these accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He had stated this. He had condemned her. He says, I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. So here he gave her the opportunity to repentance, to save her. In this case, the verb correct in relation to the scribes and Pharisees in the original Greek language means to expose, to reveal, rebuke, blame, to write on the dust. So he who wants to talk negatively about saints in the church, this word must correct them to expose, to reveal them, rebuke, blame, and to write their name on the dust. Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 13, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be ashamed. Those who depart from me shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. In relation to the woman who is caught in adultery, the verb correct in the words of Christ, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more, in the original Greek language means, to her, to this woman, it means instruction, exhortation, comfort, rebirth, and justification. With regard to the corrections emanating from the Holy Spirit, one should understand that they will never be addressed to the children of God, even if the latter fall into any kind of sin. Because of the correction of the children of the Lord, on one hand, exists their conscience cleansed of dead works and the teaching of Christ engraved in their pure conscience. And on the other hand, there are corrections of the Lord in the words of a person endowed by the Holy Spirit with the powers of the delegated fatherhood of God and His helpers. These wonderful commandments uh, we will take, we will pray, and may you, be, may you be blessed in your prayers. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this opportunity to be found in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. We thank you that today we can come to you in the name and on the foundation of the blood of the covenant and to thank you for that inheritance and for those promises that were placed 
in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you that you, Jesus, were pierced for us, and by your blood you have redeemed us from every nation, tongue, and tribe. And we also thank you that we have been made kings and priests in you unto our Lord, and we will reign with you on the earth. We thank you, Lord, for all those great promises that have been placed on our account and for that inheritance that is found in the blood of our Lord Jesus. And we ask you, Lord, for this inheritance today to be revealed and to be unsealed by the key of the cross of the Lord Jesus. And for this, we with the law die to the law. We die to our nation so that we can no longer be strangers to saints so that we can become citizens of heaven and God's belonging. We died to the house of our Father so that we can pursue you as disciples in order to accept your word, to understand your word, and to be clothed in the powers of your reigning teaching. Lord, we die to ourselves so that you could reveal your powers as a bridegroom and as a savior of our soul. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for this right and for this authority to be clothed in the death of the Lord Jesus and in your divine powers of resurrection. We thank you, and each time we will thank you for those promises that are found in the door of our hope. We ask you, Lord, may the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. We today make the decision, agreeing with that word that we hear, to set aside our former way of life of the old man growing corrupt in his deceitfulness. We want to renew our thinking with the spirit of our mind and be clothed in the new man created by God in righteousness and holiness of truth. We have made this great decision to set aside to set aside all cleanliness and malice so that we can, in meekness, accept the implanted word that is able to save our soul. We have made the decision to reject idols and gods that were present in our former life, so that we can serve one God. We thank you, Lord, that we today take away all sin that binds us, and we today, Lord, are in Christ Jesus. We are freed from the bounds of the law of God. So this law of God that had condemned us could become our friend. And we today direct this law of God, this law of the holiness of God against our old man. We thank you, Lord. We thank you that you do not see sin and lawlessness in our heart. But we, Lord, do sin and we sin because we today proclaim before you that the desire of good is in us but in order to do it, it is hard. The desire for good is in us, but for us to do it is difficult. And from this, we make the conclusion that it is not we who do it, but, or rather, the desire to do good is there, but it is so easy for us to sin. Deliver us from this sin and forgive us our sins that we sin before your countenance. We thank you that we are your children. 
according to our birth from you. And we ask you, Lord, so that today you can affirm your covenant as you had affirmed once with David and his household in the covenant of salt. We thank you, Lord, for the covenant of salt. We affirm in prayer the covenant of salt. We thank you, Lord, for that order in which we are. We thank you, Lord, that your priests, your Levites today, bring a fragrance, a sweet aroma, and lay out their incense before your holy countenance. We thank you that today we are priests. We have your order of God. We have this wonderful theocracy. We thank you that you will not find in the walls of this holy uh, holy home disgusting democracy. And we cry out to you. We, Lord, cry out to you for you to deliver your inheritance, for you to deliver your church across your whole earth from the tyranny of carnal, wicked, and lawless people. Deliver them and cleanse your church. We cry out to you, Lord, today. Hear us and conduct your work. We thank you, Lord, that we are able to leave all for you and to follow you. We thank you that we today are able to renew our thinking with the spirit of our mind and we have received the opportunity to hear and to understand the Holy Spirit in our spirit. And we pray to you, Lord, for you to give us the opportunity to also hear our spirit in our mind to understand all of those revelations that we hear from this place. Allow us to understand them so that we can proclaim them and be clothed in them through the proclamation and through our meek lips. You have given us meek lips that tell us regarding the presence of meekness in our essence. And having these meek lips and hearing the Holy Spirit in our spirit and understanding our spirit in our mind, in our soul, we today are clothed in the resurrection of Christ. And we thank you, Lord, for this salvation. We thank you, Lord, for the pure linen, clean and bright. And we also, Lord, are clothed today in the robes of justice. We demonstrate your justice and your righteousness. We are clothed in the robes of a... Of a of a bride, and we are adorned in the power and the representative force of the Yahweh of hosts. We thank you, Lord, that in all these garments, your church will come out before you. Continue, Lord, according to your mercy, to teach us, to teach us from your lips that you have likened to your lily. Allow us to hear your word from your lips, which are in the likeness of a lily. And we ask you, Lord, that word that we hear, for it to be made for it to make a bronze sea as a blossoming lily in which we could wash our bodies, but not wash one another, but to wash our bodies so that we can receive knowledge of the truth, how, how we can forgive one another. And we, Lord, enter we enter into this word of God and we wash our own bodies. And having washed our own bodies, you have said, you all now are clean. Now wash your feet. And now, Lord, when we have washed our bodies in the bronze sea, just like a blossoming lily, now we receive the ability to forgive our, our debtors, our neighbors, and wash their feet. We thank you, Lord, that we now are all pure and our feet are also pure. 
because you have allowed us to be clothed in your righteousness, a clean linen, pure and bright. We thank you for the street made out of pure gold, clear and transparent as glass. We thank you that along this street, on one and the other side, grows the tree of life, offering its fruit. We ask you, Lord, to allow us to grow this fruit of righteousness in our essence. And for this, Lord, we agree. We agree to pay the full price because without paying the full price, allow us to hear your commandments the lips that are like the lilies so that we can hear this truth and understand this truth and to be clothed in this truth and fulfill this commandment we thank you Lord for your corrections with which you correct us and we ask you Lord to continue to correct us to comfort us upon this holy place we thank you for that word that we have today we ask you, Lord, may our pastor be given the word we have truly known, that you save your anointed one, and you answer to him from your holy heavens. And we ask you, Lord, may to him be given the word for your church, for your chosen remnant, so that your saints can prepare themselves to meet with you. And may your name be blessed, our Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We will conclude with our conclude with our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is to keep who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you faultless in the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. 